All right, good evening. It's good to be together again. We are uh, talking about studying the Bible, and uh, the first thing we're looking at is context, as in not the context of the text itself, but as, as in the historical background and setting. And we are doing this from the book of Ephesians, and uh, I tend to sometimes, I guess, dig a little too deep, and then I have too many things to say, so I got about halfway through last evening what I wanted to say. So we're going to continue here. We talked about Ephesus, so we're, we're, like, we're, 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 we're talking about how to study the Bible as, and Ephesians as the text that we're looking at. Uh, we talked about Ephesus as a multicultural city. It was home to a temple, uh, the Temple of Artemis. Uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, the first rendering took 120 years to build. That's a long time. Very important buildings there, commercial market, baths, gymnasium, medical school. There's a theater there um, that could seat 24,000 people. Uh, it housed one of the third, the third largest library in the empire at one point. Uh, I think what you're seeing here was actually probably built a little after the time of Paul, but uh, there was education. There's a lot of things happening there. So that's the city. We want to think now, step out a little further and think about the empire. So Ephesus was part of the Roman Empire. And then after this, we want to look at the worldview. What was the worldview of the people living in the Roman Empire? So um, Rome was... Um, a very religious place. Uh, to be Roman was to be religious, basically. Uh, but there were lots of different gods and lots of different uh, temples uh, in Ephesus and also in Rome. Um, and I think I mentioned this last night that to be to be an atheist was when, was not was when you didn't believe in the gods of Rome, and so Jews were atheists and Christians were atheists because they didn't believe in the gods of Rome. They didn't bow to them. Uh, Caesar Augustus is one of the most interesting people that uh, you can I don't know study in the Roman Empire. He basically like built the Roman Empire. Uh, he um, conquered basically. Actually, let me say a little more about the gods, because this is really central to thinking about the context of the Christian church starting uh, in Rome and, in especially, and, and in Ephesus. So Rome had a time when it declined somewhat, and Caesar Augustus was the one who really brought the empire back to life. And, uh, and, and, and that was a sign of the gods being happy. All right, so the gods look out for the empire, right? And so um, as Caesar Augustus conquered his rivals and fought civil wars, and basically, he, it's a crazy story. He was 19 years old when he started uh, his, whatever, ascend, uh, ascending to power. Um, uh, his uncle, uh, Julius Caesar, had been assassinated. And so Caesar Augustus, well, he wasn't Caesar Augustus then, uh, his name was Caius something something Caesar, I think. And uh, so he was 19 year old, years old, and he started gathering some of uh, Julius Caesar's army together, uh, and, and, and they became loyal to him, and he, he uh, I don't know, was found his way to the top eventually and conquered everybody else. Um, it 
took a long time, but uh, he ushered in an era of peace uh, into the Roman Empire, which we know as the Pax Romana. Uh, and, and that, actually, the Pax Romana is, is, is very important to the biblical story because what Caesar Augustus did was create an empire where there was peace and the, where, where the, the message of the, the... Okay, so think about this. Uh, if you want... Back in the day, in this, in this era, if you want information to pass from city to city uh, or throughout the empire, how's the information going to get around? Like, what's, what, are the, what, are the, what are the routes of information? What are the ways that things get passed from, from one city to the next? What are your thoughts? How, how does information pass if you don't have the internet or email or maybe even snail mail? Traders, good. Mm -hmm. People traveling from place to place. What do you need to be able to travel? Roads, right? What else do you need to travel? What do you say? Horse or donkey? Uh huh. So you need some wealth possibly to be able to get around. Mm -hmm. What else? Safety. Safety. Yeah. If you would be traveling the turnpike and you would think you could get attacked any time, you wouldn't travel the turnpike, right? But we, we just travel the turnpike because we know we'll probably get there safely. You might have an accident, but we don't expect robbers. I was traveling in Jerusalem. I was traveling from Jerusalem to a, a city in, in uh, the West Bank once, and, and uh, I was with my friend Zach. Um, he was Palestinian, and we happened to have a... So he was Palestinian, but he had a... Uh, an Israeli license plate on his car. And, uh, and so we were traveling on an Israeli road in a Palestinian territory with an Israeli license plate. So people would stand up on the knobs of the hill and throw rocks at cars when they were, when they were coming by. And uh, we heard this crashing sound and this rock just slid across the street in front of us. Uh, that, I was really glad the rock didn't come in the window. I was on the passenger side. That could have hurt. Uh, people get hurt that way sometimes. But, uh, you know, that, I mean, it was generally safe. He, the, Zach told me a story. Once he was driving down this road, and this car was coming toward him and started shooting at him. And uh, he survived that. Uh, but, you know, we don't have those kind of concerns here. Uh, so you need safety to be able to get around for information to pass from place to place. Well, that's what Caesar Augustus brought to the Roman Empire. He brought safety and security uh, and roads. Uh, in his lifetime, or in, under his reign, uh, Rome built about 50,000 miles of new roads. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of roads. That's a long... I mean, that allows a lot of information to pass. It allows for the movement of troops. It allows for more security and, and information. Uh, I think that's... Uh, you know, God controls the events of history, right? I mean, he's, in, he's moving the pieces around to some degree. Uh, he's, he is moving in the world. And so the scripture says that in the fullness of time... Uh, Jesus came, right? And I think that was, this was part of that story. You know, God was preparing the world so that when Jesus ends up in, you know, in, in the Holy Land, that as the traders come through, there's some major trade routes, right, in, in uh, the Holy Land. And so traders are coming through and they're going from here to there and they hear the stories about this man who was healing people, you know, and they... And some of them want to stop and see what's going on. And then they go to their home country and they talk about this. So uh, God is moving in all of these events. 
Caesar Augustus, uh, he, he, he basically uh, brought back Rome to its glory, or maybe, maybe even greater glory than ever before. Uh, and people really, he, he really um, had a lot of power. Like, until this point, the, the, whole, uh, the whole political system of Rome was very interesting, actually. Uh, they had, uh, pretty smart, uh, some of their ideas were really neat. Um, they had, uh, instead of one president, they didn't call them presidents, they had two. Uh, and they would switch month to month who was in charge so that one wouldn't gain too much power. Wouldn't that be neat if we'd have... President Biden, and then, you know, month to month. I don't know. That would be interesting. It would kind of help balance the power out. And they would, they would be in, the, I think it's called the consul. They would be in that for one year, and then they'd pick two more. And then they could come back and do it again. I think Caesar Augustus was in that role 12 or 13 times, something like that. So he was a very influential and powerful man. He became uh, revered, uh, worshipped, toward the end of his life, and emperors at that time sometimes were declared gods after they died. Uh, Julius Caesar was, and then Augustus as well, after he died, was proclaimed to be a god. Um, later, of course, you know, he was such a revered and important person because he brought peace to the empire. He stopped the civil wars and fought them and, and uh, brought peace. Um, and so he, his birth was later proclaimed to be glad tidings, it's basically the word that we use for gospel. Um, that was like his birth. As they looked back, of course, they thought of it as the gospel, as good news that uh, this baby was born. <clears throat> so, um, very powerful empire. Um, and there's more we could say. There's a lot of things that we could talk about. But what I want to get to next is I want to, I want to talk about, this is a few pictures from Rome when I was there some years ago, uh, some amazing, amazing architecture that was, that was there back in the day. This is more of a rendering of how it may have looked, uh, but the, the Rome was amazing. The, the thing that's, uh, I think, most, that's really crucial to understanding Rome is, uh, is to understand the empire before Rome. So... Uh, before Rome were the Greeks, right? So the Greeks had conquered the known world. Uh, who was the conqueror? What was his name? Alexander the Great. Yeah, Alexander the Great. And I won't go into a lot of details. He basically conquered the known world. Um, and then Rome came along and basically conquered uh, that world. You know, So slowly Rome sort of took over the Greek Empire. But... When Alexander the Great conquered this huge empire, and there was, so, there was such diversity in the peoples, there were so many different kinds of people. So how, how do you get people, the, the problem in a situation like that is you've got to get people to think a certain way. You've got to bring them together. You can use force to try to pull people together and force them to do what's right or what you want them to do. But after a while, they're going to get tired of that, right? And so Alexander the Great, uh, or the, the Greek mindset was was to, um, how could I say, to uh, maybe win people by their worldview, by the things that they offered them, by the pleasures that they offered them. So some of the, the main features of the Hellenistic world is what it became known as Hellenism. Uh, one of the, some of the big pieces of the Hellenistic world was, was the sports. 
uh, sports was really big. Uh, they had the gymnasium, uh, which was very central to Hellenistic life. And that was where male members of society or young men would go to train for the games. Um, interestingly, the word gymnasium uh, comes from an, an older word that means nude uh, or naked. Um, and any guesses as to why? <laughs> Maybe we don't talk about this in church. I'm not sure. <laughs> they played naked. That was what the men did. These were these were uh, the gymnasium was a was a, a very was was a place that that's that's what they did in the gymnasium. Um, they practiced for games. Uh, which then, of course, led to leisure and entertainment. And so there was, in, in the Roman Empire, and there was, there was lots of games. They, were, they, were, uh, they had many days where they would, where they would uh, have games. And they would, they would uh, have, like, if you go to Rome, they had the Colosseum. They, they could seat 80,000 people in this Colosseum. Um, uh, as we saw earlier, in Ephesus, they had this huge stadium, which was used for several things. It was not just used for games. Uh, interestingly, it was used for the ecclesia. Uh, we'll talk about that probably tomorrow. Um, ecclesia is a fascinating word. Uh, I think it's amazing. Anyway, so uh, leisure and entertainment were really big. You have the Olympics, uh, which were a part of that. Uh, healthcare was important. Education was important. A lot of this actually kind of all came back to the gymnasium, where they would they would start, they, eventually it led to a place of education, a, a place of health and fitness um, and training for the games. Now, uh, the, the, the games were often in relation to uh, the gods. So uh, somehow the, the gods and the games were intertwined uh, when there was a great victory by the son of God, of the God. Uh, Augustus would have been the son of the God because his father was Julius Caesar, right? And so when he, uh, when he won great victories, they wanted to celebrate, and they would have games for days sometimes. Um, so life was built around sports, leisure, entertainment, healthcare, education were important things. Very, I, I would say, you know, very similar to our society, but just worse. Um, more corrupt, more evil. Uh, if you read the story of Caesar Augustus and the women and the, the, the lives and the intermarriages. And at one point, he had his daughter marry his stepson, and then, and then she got pregnant to someone else, and so she, he exiled her to some island or something like that. And that was, that was common, a lot of that stuff, especially in the higher echelons of society. They would intermarry for political alliances and things like that. So there's, it's a really... It's a really dark and ugly story, uh, the, the, the Roman story. So I want us to think now about the Jewish people in the middle of this. So the Jewish people are living in this society, right? They're living in the Roman society. They're trying to be faithful to their God. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure. Um, when Greek influence came in, there was a lot of pressure to conform to the society, to conform to Hellenistic thought processes. Uh, different than today, right? We're not pressured to be like the world, are we? <laughs> Maybe we are. Um, but there was a lot of pressure to fit into society. Uh, 
there was, and some of the, the Jews reacted differently to this pressure. Some of them resisted. Um, we have groups of zealots who they wanted to fight back. They wanted to fight against Rome and Hellenism. Uh, and, and they wanted to, they wanted to overcome by force. Uh, there was, the, the Maccabees is a really, really interesting story of, uh, of a Jewish revolt, which uh, happened before Caesar Augustus, a little earlier, more in the Greek time frame. Um, but they, they overcame, I mean, they, they basically uh, created an army and overthrew the Greeks and took over uh, for about 103 years, I think it was, they had their own dynasty, their own, and so the, the Jews had created their own world, and so they were resisting. So there was, and uh, the, the Maccabees, there's, a, there's, there's a, a book called First and Second Maccabees, and in there, they, uh, they kind of, how could I say, give the picture that the, the conflict was between Judaism and Hellenism. That was the conflict that they were having. Um, so there was the, the, the people who resisted, and then there were those who assimilated and kind of went along with the empire. Now, uh, uh, the Sadducees, I think, were probably more assimilated. Uh, the Herodians would have been very assimilated, um, and there was, there was you know, various variations of that. Uh, but they would have gone, some of, these, some of the Jews actually went so far as to do... Uh, reverse circumcisions uh, because they wanted to fit into society. Now, okay, think back to the gymnasium. Uh, you wouldn't want to be circumcised in the gymnasium because everybody would see that you're Jewish. And so they would actually literally, uh, I don't know how you do that, but um, the, the, so there was that level where some of the Jewish people would, would assimilate into the Hellenistic society to fit in. Now, there were also the Pharisees. And I kind of think the Pharisees were sort of like religious Republicans today, <laughs> maybe. Um, they were pretty religious, but also very political uh, in some ways. I think that's kind of where they fit. I'm not quite sure where to fit them in. Because they were, they were trying to be faithful to the, to, the, to, to the law, and yet trying to you know, blend into the political systems wherever they needed to, to gain power or to keep power, to keep everybody happy. Um, I, I think sometimes when we, we compare ourselves to the Pharisees, maybe we're not quite uh, being fair, or maybe we are being too political like the Pharisees. Anyway, uh, Hellenism was a very big part of, of the empire. So we have the city, which is Ephesus, in the Roman Empire. Great power. The gods, you've got to please the gods. If you, if you stop pleasing the gods, then, things, then bad things are going to happen right? Um, and if you don't worship them, and if you don't offer the incense, then bad things are going to happen to the empire. And so you can see this eventually when the empire starts going downward again, who's going to get the blame? It's going to be Christians. It's a concern. It's a great concern to have people in Ephesus who don't give the gods their due, whatever they're supposed to have, um, and then we have the worldview of Hellenism, which is, I think, in many ways similar to our worldview. So, keep going here. The church, I'm not going to spend much time here. Um, the church in Ephesus, because I want to get to some other things yet here. Uh, 
The first Christian, I'll just read through this. The first Christian community in Ephesus was established by St. John and developed by St. Paul. Paul visited Ephesus during his second missionary journey, a little short visit, visited again on his third journey and remained there for three years. I think we mentioned this last night that Paul spent more time in Ephesus than in pretty much any other city. Later sent Timothy to Ephesus as his representative. <clears throat> After Paul's death, the apostle John made Ephesus his headquarters until his death, by which time the Ephesian church had fallen from its first love. If you remember in Revelation, it talks about uh, there's, it's one of the seven churches and, and there's the warning that you've fallen from your first love. Think about the environment they're in. Okay, so there was, there was a lot of pressure there to fit in and to move away from and not be a Jesus person. Um, <clears throat> Ephesus became the third important, most important city for Christianity after Jerusalem and Antioch. Now, I want to think about this environment um, and what that means if you want to be a Jesus person if you want to be a Christian. So believing in Jesus meant not believing that Caesar is Lord. Worshiping Jesus meant not worshiping the gods of Rome, even Caesar himself. Worshiping Jesus meant not participating in the religious activities, including the arena, the sports, the celebrations of the empire. Believing and following Jesus meant switching allegiance from the gods of Ephesus to Jesus. And this causes some big problems uh, as Christianity starts to grow. And then as there's problems in the empire, who do we blame? It's because we're allowing these Christians to stay here and not give to the gods what needs to be given to the gods to keep them happy so that we can thrive as, as an empire. All right. Um, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit, and I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians. Now, we're just trying to think about, so far we're trying to think about the, con the, the, the historical context I think when we understand historical context, it adds a, a level of, it's just interesting to see what was going on. And it adds a level of, wow, there's, 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 uh, it, there's it's, it's, I don't know, it just adds color to the story. I think so. All right. So we're talking about, um, probably a lot more I wanted to say there, but I want to keep going. Uh, we're talking about steps of Bible study, uh, how to study the Bible, and I'm going to pull up my other notes here. And I would like to now go into identifying themes and outlining the text, but mostly what I want to do right now is just think about the themes of Ephesians. Now, how many of you actually scanned the book since yesterday? That was my homework assignment. All right. A couple people. All right. All right, so maybe we can do it now. How about that? Uh, boy, we're going to run out of time soon, but that's okay. Let's, uh, why, don't we, why don't we do this? We're going to try to identify some themes. Um, why don't we have this side of the house look at, at chapters 1 to 3? You know what? That's going to take too long. Let's do this. 
Let's start with chapter 1. Let's look at chapter 1. I would like for you to like spend a little time here looking at chapter 1. What are the themes that you see in chapter 1? What are the things that stand out to you? Or what are the words that you see repeated, maybe? Justice. Say it again. Grace. Grace. Praise of his glory. Do you see that more than once? Okay. Praise of his glory. You see that three times in the first chapter. Mm-hmm. Which one? In. Okay. Okay, might be over here. I'm not sure where these need to go, but okay. Inheritance. Is that a theme or a word? Inheritance. Okay. Predestined. What else? I want, I want to put some of this on the screen here, and I want us to look at this. So let's just look at the first, uh, I don't have verses 1 to 15, I think this is more or less 1, 2, whatever, I'm not sure exactly where this stops, but let's just look at the first couple verses. Are there any words, if you can read this, uh, this goes to, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, that's the verse 6, okay, 1 to 6. What are some repeated words here? We're thinking about themes, what? What is the what is the book about? And I think one way to, to to ask the question, what's it about, is to look for repeated words or repeated phrases. Maybe let's let's start there, just in the first few verses. Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting. We were all reading it, but none of us mentioned Jesus Christ. <laughs> we were looking at other words. All right, let's see. Let's look at this. Jesus Christ, where else does it say Jesus Christ? Christ Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, here we have Christ. Um, I think that's probably the most, like the, the most repeated two words together uh, in, in those first six verses. Unless you find another one. Um, I think that should be a little bit of a clue. There's something going on about Jesus Christ here, right? Okay, where do you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's at least two here in the first six verses. Maybe I'm missing one. Okay, so grace is, a, is, is there. What other words are repeated here? Okay. 
All right, uh, let me find, go ahead, keep going. Mm-hmm, blessed us, chosen us, there's a we here, us, us, is there more? I think that's very interesting. Okay, so that's a fairly frequent word here, or the, what do you call those pronouns, I think. What other pronouns do you see repeated? All right. Um, okay, I should have them numbered here. Our, good, I like that. Uh, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ here. Okay. Okay. Uh, where are the accordings? Here's one. There's one. That's actually one of the most frequent words. Where's this? Um, third line, according, there we go. Okay, uh, I don't have that on the screen here, but good. Uh, that's right, according is actually a very, po a very common word uh, in the book of Ephesians. Uh, what other uh, pronouns? I think you call them pronouns, right? Is there any other pronouns that are common here? I'm not a very good English student. Okay. So we have him. Where else? Him. Uh, himself. His. He. Okay. His will. Right. Now, I, I love doing this with the scripture. It's really fun to just kind of tear it apart like this. And there, there's some interesting things going on here. Uh, first of all, I, I, the, somebody pointed out the hour and us. I love that. I think that's neat. That's the, like, why not you? He, he's, it's, there's something there. Like, it's our and us. Uh, I think this is really crucial, especially as we start thinking about predestination. Because whenever it talks about predestination, it's talking about us. Whereas the common view of predestination is God predestines specific people. Some to be saved, some to be lost, right? Or some to be damned. Uh, but uh, in, in this context, when he's talking about predestination, he's talking about us and our. And, and, and we should look at what we're predestined to. I mean, that's really important. Because that, I think, adds a lot to it. We'll get to that later. But, um, so the most popular word here is Jesus Christ, or words, set of words. Now, uh, what does that mean anyway? In the book of Ephesians, the most repeated word that I could find was Christ. Um, Jesus is number six. Again, that's what I could find. I might, might have missed some. Uh, Lord 
So Lord Jesus Christ, to the top six, Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the words. Now, okay, Lord. Who's the Lord of Rome? Who are the lords of Rome? Right? We've talked about that. Uh, and, and, and I think there's something, there's a connecting, there's something that connects when we start seeing these things. Uh, another word that I find really interesting is one. We didn't see that coming up real often here, but we, it does come up in the, in the first chapter. But Jesus, uh, Christ, have you ever asked the question, what does Christ mean? Paul's an apostle of Jesus Christ. What does Jesus mean, first of all, and what does Christ mean, second of all? Um, is Christ his last name? So we have Paul Fisher, uh, Jesus Christ. Is that, is that what Christ means? What about Jesus? Um, what does Jesus mean? I think my time's about up, so maybe we'll have to continue this tomorrow night. But I want you to think about that. What is, these, these things are so common to us, right? Uh, but Jesus and Christ have some very, very interesting connecting points. Um, Jesus is the same word as Joshua, right? So in Jesus' day, they were reading the Septuagint, and when they translated Joshua, they would have translated it Jesus or Yeshua, the same word. Now, what did Joshua do? He led them to the promised land. He, yeah, he led his people out of bondage into the promised land. Isn't that neat? <laughs> uh, Jesus. Uh, so there's a connection there in that, in that word. Um, and... I think that's my final bell. Christ. Is that his last name? What is that? We want to talk about that tomorrow night.